All right, let's um, open our Bibles. I want us to read a particular portion of the scriptures to start today. Acts chapter 20, I'm going to read uh, the one we have been reading again uh, later, but let me just start with this, and you will see the reason why I'm reading this in a moment, because we are talking about total faith, and I need to explain a particular principle. We are still on the issue of total faith for finances, and that is... um, that has taken us a number of days now, but we are not even done with it yet. I hope we can finish that today. Now, Paul here, the book of Acts chapter 20, uh, if you read from verse 17, that just will give you a background to it. From Melitus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plot of the Jews. Now, please notice verse 20. So you know how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and teaching you publicly and from house to house. Now, to save time, let's just continue down to verse 25, or jump down to verse 25. He said, And now, behold, I know that all of you, among whom I went about preaching the kingdom, will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent, he said, of the blood of all men. Now, why am I innocent? Now, that's what I want to read. That's the reason why I'm reading this. Why did Paul say he was innocent? He said in verse 27, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose or the whole counsel of God. He said, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Now, let me stop here because of um, time. Now, why did I read this? Like I said, it's specifically because of verse 27. He said, I did not shrink from declaring the whole purpose or the whole counsel of God to you. Now, the reason why I brought that issue up is that there are different aspects to the word of God. We have been speaking about total faith. And I, my emphasis has been, of course, we began from the book of Mark chapter 11. We have been um, looking at the reason why Jesus spoke casually to a tree. Please, don't, get, don't forget the main thing we are trying to do. We're looking at how, why Jesus spoke casually to a tree and the tree died. Bear that in mind. Remember, I just want to say it again. Jesus did not come against the tree deliberately. He just spoke casually to the tree. But the power in his words, all right, was so great that the tree died. And I've been emphasizing that many things in our lives, that's how God expects that we'll speak casually to them. It is not everything that requires deliberate praying about. Jesus spoke. He just said to the tree, nobody will eat from your fruit again. I said, in the same manner, you can speak to a headache. You can speak to a pain in your joint. You can speak to a pain in your stomach, which paradventure doctors will have decided later is a serious problem. But not even knowing what it is called, just say, mm, this stomach, you will not disturb me again. And the thing will die from its roots. And they asked the Lord Jesus, how did that happen? And he said, it is because I was walking by the faith of God. And what is the faith of God? He said, that is that you walk in all the time. And the Amplified says to us, have faith in God continually. We'll be looking at that. Now, we now are looking at the issue of total faith. And what I've been trying to emphasize to us again 
And again, I keep on reviewing it, is that you cannot have faith in the area you choose and refuse to have faith in another area. I remember once I was asking somebody, I don't see you at Bible studies again. And in fact, this was many years ago. If it's now, I, I hardly ask questions like that. You know, there are things, although I still ask if you're very close and dear to me, all right? You are one of our workers and I don't see you. I will wonder. But I asked, and the fellow said to me that uh, the things you are teaching now, I don't need them. Now, I want to tell you, no, some people don't have manners anyway, but right. <laughs> you know, manners is part of it. There are things you don't say, even if you feel it them, all right? You know, that's why manners are very good in life. Oh. It helps you, protects you from all evil. You won't do a lot of rubbish if you just have manners. So the, the person said to me that day that the things you are teaching now, I don't need them. Now, for a Christian, that is a very stupid statement. It's a very stupid statement. E.W. Kenyon said, well, one of these big men said, either him or Smith Wigglesworth, he said, if it is when you need faith that you are struggling to get it, you waited too late. And that's what I'm going to explain. You cannot say that this one, I don't need it now. You see a young man, young woman, they are teaching on marriage, in church, you close your ears. You know, there's a way the word of God behaves. You don't know when they will say that thing that will change your life. And there's another thing about it. You actually don't know what you need. I don't know whether I get the point. You don't know the real thing that is your problem. You, you think money is your problem. God said, no, that's not what the problem is. You think your problem is promotion in your career. The Lord says that's not what the problem is. That is, if you seek the right thing, some of these other things will just be added. And the Holy Spirit knows how he delivers that which you actually require. That is why, as a believer, never say it. I don't need this one now. Because you don't know what it's about. Somebody can come teaching. You go to church, and they are teaching on the second coming of Christ. And you say, ah, that's not what I need. I need to make advance in my business. You never can tell. The thing that's preventing you from making advance is going to be discussed because it is occupied with this until I come. That's why I read this book of Acts chapter 20. Paul said, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Sometimes people say that if you need healing, listen to messages on healing. It is good to do that. However, what will boost your ability to understand the word of God concerning healing may not be found in those messages. It may be found in the message that is discussing financial prosperity. It may be found in the message that is discussing faithfulness. It may be found in the message that is discussing the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because faith is what? Total. That's what we've been trying to emphasize. Let, we cannot deliberately just focus faith on one thing, but we focus, we grab faith in every dimension. That's what I've been trying to emphasize all of these days. That's how faith works. It is total. Faith is something that works in every aspect of your life. And Paul said, there is what is called the total, where is it again? Verse what, 27. He said, there's what is called the whole purpose, using the New American Standard. Which one do you have? Yes. I like the Amplified Bible. He said, I never shrank or kept back or fell short from declaring to you the whole purpose and plan and counsel of God. And that is what we need as believers. You see why I'm talking about this again. Now, we are still talking about total faith for finances, but I want to explain a particular scripture. Before we read that, to that uh, go back to that Luke chapter 16. I want to ad- advise Christians again. Remember what I said the other day? Don't touch that scripture. What did I say? Don't touch that scripture. Don't touch that scripture. What was I talking about? There's a very 
well-known scripture. Quickly go back to it. The book of Psalms chapter 127. Psalm 127. I want to bring out an issue from there. Please just be patient with me. You, you might be wondering what am I doing. But believe me, I know what I'm doing. Even if I don't know what I'm doing, the Holy Spirit knows what I'm doing. Now I want to read from verse um, 3. It said, Behold, now should I read this one first? No, let me make a statement first. Alright? Listen to this statement. I'll make a statement and I'll read this particular verse. Now, when we want to believe God, alright? We're talking about faith for finances. Remember that. Total faith. God has a system. I've been discussing that for some time. The world has a system. The problem we often have as believers is when we want to cut and join and create a hybrid between God's system and the world's system. Like I said last time, when people say, I say something like, the Bible says, don't take any thought for tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Alright? So arguments now come up. Am I supposed to save for retirement? And you go from the Bible from the beginning to the end, you don't find anything like that. The only thing Jesus said is, don't be worried about tomorrow. Don't plan for retirement. You know, wonder, I say, what are you talking about? What am I, I actually had a preacher I, I like a lot. I listen to him a lot. He said, it makes sense to prepare for retirement so that when you can't work again, money will be flowing in. And really, that's a lot of sense, but it's common sense. It's not the word of God. I'm not saying, now look at my point. It's not bad. It's common sense. But why did God not say anything about preparing for retirement, about saving up for retirement? Throughout the Bible, he never talked about retirement. The only thing he ever said is that no matter how old you are, you will be full of sap and you'll be fruitful. Retirement is not God's idea. It's human idea. Make enough money and start going from Malibu down to Haiti, down to the jungles of Kenya, down to um, the beaches all over the world, going to Dubai. It's not the will of God. What happens is that we buy a world system and then we want to use the word of God to perfect the system of the world. And God said, I don't know what you're talking about. That's why faith sometimes is difficult. You have to get up and learn the system of God. God never expected anybody to retire. Should I pass for retirement? No, God said, make a different plan. Plan never to retire. What's your problem? Why do you want to believe me for what I don't want to do? So a time will come in which I will be tired, I will not be able to walk again. Why do you believe for such things? It's not faith we are talking about. Why don't you use faith to say that I will never get tired? I always like to give the testimony regarding the papers. And when you see things like this happen, it's nice for you to see. No, number one, let's even start. Before I tell you the one I read in the papers. Very, interne- very uh, internationally known people. Mary Kay Ash. She started Mary Kay Cosmetics. After she had, in quote, retired from the business she was working in, the company she was working for, Stanley Home Products, that was when she bested Mary Kay Cosmetics. When people were listening to her give speeches all over the place because she was successful, the woman refused to disclose her age. I don't know why. But from calculation, she would have been in her late 70s and 80s when she was going around speaking English, telling people how to do business. Many of us know of uh, McDonald's. The man started that business also as a retired man. What the world calls retired. That's when he started McDonald's. Those are good testimonies. 
The last time I read, the man I wanted to refer to earlier, of Paul Dutola, he was 91. And the reporters were asking him, and it was saying that this year they will invest in this area, the new line of business he wants to go into at 91. He died at 92 or something. But I like that. He was still investing at 91. Then Christians come to church and hire a joker to teach them how to plan for retirement. And you say you're a child of God. Talking about total faith. The word of God is to be... Paul said, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel, the whole purpose, and the whole plan of God. The reason why faith is weak is because... Okay, take that... um, like giving money. You give by faith. That's everything is by faith. You give by faith. The reason why people can't give is that they are planning for retirement. And the reason why God cannot stir up faith in their hearts so that they won't worry about, the, about tomorrow is that they have a stronghold in their hearts called retirement. And they think they are wise. And so people now talk about retiring young. They even write a book on how to retire young. Unless you have another thing you're trying to get from the books, you shouldn't read such rubbish. Why should you retire young? Hear ye the word of the Lord. You retire young, you die young. There was a man in the Bible. He retired young. And because he retired young, God said, you are a fool. Jesus said, you fool. Because the man said, now you have amassed enough money, you have done your IPO. You don't blow. Things are good for you now. You are now worth six million dollars. Take your ease. I remember the story of the man who ended up being the richest man in the world at the time, Paul Getty. As a young boy, he went out to hustle. His father was a millionaire. But he went out to go and hustle. Did not depend on his father's money. He went to go and hustle. And he was a tough hustler. He was also prospecting for oil and all of that. Then one day, he valued his assets. And he had made a lot of money. So he informed his parents that time that he's about to retire. And he was about 30. At the age of 30, the boy said he's retiring. Now, why am I telling this story? Of course, his father tried to explain to him that you can't retire like that. He said, what am I working for again? And when I'm talking about a millionaire, he made over a million. The story I'm telling you was before the Second World War. So you can imagine how much money we're dealing with, all right? Of course, he didn't listen to his father. A few years later, he was flat broke. <laughs> So he returned back to working, and he continued to work and work until one day he saw a magazine, I think Forbes or one of them, and he saw himself on the cover as the richest man in the world. He said he didn't know he was that rich. Now, why am I saying all of these things? I want to emphasize to people that people have even experienced some of these things, all right? And we must not let the world bring up a system. And the problem we have is that many times we learn a worldly system and we keep on struggling all our lives because we want to fit the word of God into it. We birth something in the flesh and we try to perfect it in the spirit. That is what I'm explaining. And it doesn't work. You cannot birth something in the flesh and expect to perfect it in the spirit. I'm talking about this whole counsel of God, following God totally. So when God has a system... We have to learn every aspect of it. Not just speak one and expect it to work. That's why faith is hard. That is why faith is hard. If I say this, it would be like I'm digressing again. But let me keep saying this. Look at this medicine thing. Hmm. If you're following all this 
doctors are good people. Amen? Amen. A few of them inside here. You can see one sitting here. I'm seeing one preaching here. <laughs> there are few, I mean, doctors are good people. I love them. Even if I don't, my wife loves them. <laughs> she married one. You get my point. But the area that makes me laugh most, when you want to follow doctors, eh? Open your, read your Bible first before you let the doctor talk to you. Take your Bible, read it. When you have finished reading it, say, hey, doc, what did you say? Anything that disagrees with God, say, no, I know they hear. I am not listening. If he says, jog, 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 so you can live long, say, physical exercise only profits a little. I don't care what you want to say, that's what the Bible said. I want to give you a bombshell that will make you laugh. I've been saying it again and again. How many of you have ever heard of good cholesterol? Good cholesterol. You've heard of good cholesterol. All right. Now, for those who don't know, cholesterol is supposed to be bad for your heart. But cholesterol has different types. For those who know medicine and biochemistry, you, they will have things like LDL. LDL is supposed to be the worst of the lot. Okay? But there's, there are other ones. There's VLDL, then there's HDL, and a few others. But the most important ones are LDL and what they call HDL. HDL is supposed to be good for you. So they say that the Eskimos, they can have high cholesterol levels, but it doesn't hurt their hearts because generally their hearts have, the, they tend to have the good cholesterol, high levels of HDL. So if you want to have high levels of HDL, eat a lot of fish, eat a lot of nuts, you know, nuts, you know, stuff like that. And then, of course, you avoid some other things. Now, why am I telling the story? Because a few days ago, a major article was published, that was last week, saying that, oh, we are sorry, HDL is actually bad for you. <laughs> it is good for you, I, at least, the one I'm personally acquainted with is almost 30 years I've been hearing it. I don't know how long they've been saying it. But when I began to learn, and you know, learn pathology, learn medicine, and all of that, that I started hearing that thing, it's about 30 years ago. There's somebody wrote an article last week discovering that after they did the meta-analysis and collected some metadata and forget the English, they found out that it's actually not good for you. <laughs> I said, I laughed some more, ate more ground nuts, ate whatever I wanted to eat. <laughs> hey, you, know, you know me, I didn't believe them one day. They said, milk is bad for you, especially if you're an adult. I said, it's a lie. If God knew it was bad, why did he take them to a land flowing with milk and honey? My, some people can laugh. My only reason why I disagree with that is that the Bible said God took them to a land flowing with milk and honey. How can you take them to a land flowing with milk and uh, with um, uh, poison and honey? They say if you eat too much milk, voila for your bones at old age, voila for your prostate. They say what do you do with your prostate regularly after the age of is it forty or fifty? You go yearly or a few yearly and do what they call a PSA to test. PSA is short for prostate-specific antigen. What does that do? It's supposed to help us identify whether cancer is growing in your prostate. So when we see the levels, we see it is elevated, we now go into your prostate and start probing around. And then when we take a few bits, we look under the microscope, they give to people like me, I'm a pathologist, I'll now check and say, yes, there is cancer of the prostate here. And they start treating Let's not discuss the treatment. They did this for decades. About five years ago, 
four years ago, there about, the man who invented the test, he said it is nothing better than the toss of a coin. There has been a colossal waste of public funds on health. Listen, if you like a joke from here, tobacco leaky and back. It does not add one, doesn't add 24 hours to your lifespan. Trust me. I know what I'm talking about. I'm explaining the fact that faith, you have to follow the whole counsel of God. Don't pick it when you like it and drop it when you don't like it. Why? You know, talk about this retirement and stuff. I thought about it. Did God not make a plan for people's future? He did. There are many plans he made. The first plan, of course, in every area is faith. We have to walk by faith. We have to walk by faith. Anything we are doing must be derived from faith. Faith is not gambling. Faith is not fatalism. Faith is not let whatever will happen will happen. No. Faith is that I have discovered the word of God and from God's word, I have derived actions by which I'm living my life. And heaven is real. When I say heaven is real, I don't mean I'm doing things, keeping money in heaven. When I get there, I will have something to spend. They don't spend money there. Heaven is real means if I need help and there's no human help, I will ask for heavenly help. And I expect it to come through. Heaven is real means that, if the, I may not see anybody here, but I know I'm not alone. Heaven is real means that there are angels walking around. Don't let people keep, you know, all these days of, um, what do you call it, free WhatsApp, people send all kinds of nonsense here and there. Today, my wife was telling him that, are you sure you're not too skeptical? I said, but I'm right 90% of the times. They come with all kinds of stories. One of the ones that annoys me most is those people that are trying to warn you. Pump your tire so that you don't die in an accident because of our Minister of State for Labor and Employment. Is it wrong to pump your tire? No. It's good to pump your tire properly. How to pump your tire, how to gauge it, how to wear it, but it is good. Then the, another one, he said, tell your children, I saw that one today. One man wanted to kidnap a little girl. I told the girl there that uh, your mother said she pick you up and that uh, she's not available. And the small girl said, password. The mother had taught the girl that if I ever have to send anybody to meet you, I will tell the person the password. And they had a secret code. So the little girl said, password. And the man looked password <laughs> and they ran away another post teach your children password <laughs> if you're on whatsapp you will get at least 50 safety tips in a month which if you try to execute you will do nothing else <laughs> I hardly ha- now this I'm talking about heaven people hardly remember to tell you, your children have angels. They make it look as if their lives are accidents. No, they are not. So when I'm blessing my children, I remind them that they have angels. This morning, my son came to the room, knocked. I'm going. He had to go to school very early in the morning. So I told my I was I just mumbled to my wife, bless him now, because I was still half asleep. So I told my wife, bless him. So she called, I can come back. So he came in. And he understood. 
So he bowed his head. And his mother put a hand on him and told him like five or ten sentences. It will be well with you. God will protect you. And told him things like that. And the guy said, Amen, Amen, Amen. People don't remember to tell you those things. They start making it look as if your children's lives are accidents. Evil can happen at any time. It's a lie. The Bible says clearly, Jesus told me clearly, that they have angels that are watching over them. So if I don't tell my daughter password, and tell my son password, and you want to kidnap him, your head will become password. (laughs) If you ever read this book, um, uh, uh, what's it called? uh, Frank Peretti, Piercing the Darkness, and This Present Darkness. I like what one angel said to another angel. He said, sorry, we had to kill her. She was proving too difficult. I said, oh, I love these angels. The person wanted to kill somebody they were protecting. They tried to fend her off. He didn't agree, so they broke her neck. Say we are sorry. So they reported to the senior angel. That girl was troublesome. So we had to kill her. I said, I love these angels. These are realities. Heaven is real. That's when we say heaven is real. That's what we mean. We don't mean that, don't worry, blow yourself up. There are 70 virgins waiting for you, an unlimited amount of alcohol. That is not our own idea of heaven. What we mean is that we are walking here, as I'm standing here, I am not alone. I like the days of William Myron Braham. He saw a man one day say, wow, you look so much like the angel that stands before, beside me when I preach. Angels are real. That's what we mean by heaven is real. That's what we mean. It's not a joke. I told a story the other day of, um, of um, David Paulson, who lost a book. And the man who did not talk to him handed him the book back. Over a hundred kilometers away. Manuscripts for a book. To the story of one of my brothers, who angels changed his tire. A friend of mine once came to look for me at night. He missed his way thoroughly. Was in a strange part of western Nigeria he had never been to. If I, he told, he, you know he's an Igbo man. I'm a Yoruba man, alright? And there's a concept in Nigeria. Once you're, once you're not from Lagos, Abuja, Potakot, they assume you are from a village. Why? Because in eastern Nigeria, there are a lot of villages. But in western Nigeria, they tend to urbanize. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. So, once you're not from Lagos, people just assume that you are an So, an Igbo man thinking you're from a village has an idea of village. So, they assume that everybody will know me. When they enter the town, hmm, it, from the edge of the town to the car park, to the motor park, was when he knew he had missed the road. But good enough, my, my classmate, my roommate, that saw him before he came to look for me, told him the name of one big hospital in town that's owned by his townsman. That if he goes there, he knows we are family friends. So that's how he began his search. Let's make a long story short. It, instead of it to ask for the owner of the hospital, he asked one lady at the reception, please, I'm looking for, mention my name, my surname, and everything. And the lady said, sorry, I don't know him. So he came out on the road and stood there at night. He didn't know where to go. They asked one man, please, do you by chance do so-and-so person, so-and-so family? The guy just shook his head, sorry. And you know, buses were passing. You know you are not in a village. Boom, boom. <laughs> he didn't know where to go. <clears throat> then somebody suddenly asked, stood beside him and said, let me hear that name again. His father used to walk to and so place. Oh, I know where he stays. And gave him description. Enter this bus. This bus, when he gets to this place, stop. Cross over. When you get here, you will see a, a, what they call a restaurant there where people are eating. Enter there. Ask for the owner of the restaurant. He's from the same town as that man. He will know, she knows his father. At night. And the man just happened to be by the roadside while he was asking somebody else. I said, this boy got direction from angels. 
And when we say heaven, that's what I'm trying to emphasize. Heaven is not one place we go to when we die. Heaven is a realm that is superimposed upon our physical realm. When you go to sleep at night, I want to let you know, there are literally angels on guard. Like I told you, the major problem God has with us is what? Unbelief. I was talking to my wife today, this morning we were talking, I said, I said my prayer, God, is just help us to believe. Because when we don't believe, when our lives are ruled by fear, we cripple the hands of God. God doesn't talk anyhow. There's no word he utters that, like me and you, will be playing. And just joking. No. When he walks up to people and says, fear not. You know what it means? If you continue to fear, what I want to do in your life cannot be done. That's the meaning of fear not. It's not there's no need to be excited. That's not the meaning of fear not. Fear not means what I want to do in your life will not be done if fear remains in your life. When he says, it is I, do not be afraid. He says, if you continue to be afraid, I will have to keep walking. Because I cannot operate in an atmosphere of fear. And what the devil does is to create fear for us, thereby disable, at least it becomes impossible for God to do what he wants to do. That's why he keeps on emphasizing, rejoice, be of good cheer. Because if you go around with a despondent spirit, you will not do well in life. Why? You cripple the hands of God, he can't do anything. What am I emphasizing? Heaven is real. The problem is that oftentimes we hinder the release of heavenly power into our lives. So when we are making financial plans also, don't ever forget, heaven is real. That's where I'm going to. Heaven is real. When God said, when Jesus said, you will have treasure in heaven, heaven is real. So when we Christians are making calculations, we put that into perspective. That our lives are not accidents. That it will not happen. Savings or no savings, that at the age of 80, I will not be able to eat. It will not happen. Heaven and earth can pass away, but that one will not happen. That one will not happen. Why? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never be forsaken. That's the reality of heaven. That's what we're talking about. But what the world tries to do is to remove our faith from that level and bring it down to how much investment do you have? Remove our faith from that level and bring it to how much have you bought stock? Have you bought land? Have you built a house for your children? I have found that almost every child I know rejects the house the father left for him. Think about it. Think. Think. They don't stay there. They give it to a tenant that, cannot, that, that has not built his own. Because he grew up with that level of house. Do you get my point? Their minds can't, like, I live in this. This was what my father lived in 40 years ago. I can dash houses to my children. But maybe because I have surplus. But build for them so that when they are old, this will be their house. If I say this to make you laugh, I almost think it's a curse. Who must be accustomed them that they won't be able to build? I have seen houses all over Enugu here. Because I know many people. Fathers built massive things. Independence layout here, GRA here. The children are not even coming to Nigeria. You're talking about the house. They're not even coming. The house is not a problem. I, get to, I, I got to know some of this because I have friends who are into estate business. So you see them breaking houses to pieces. This is a big, massive house a man built. They are trying to, you know, he's so big they can't rent it out. 
So my friends are cutting them to sizable, small, you know, rentable spaces. Say a big house, they remodel it, turn it to four flats. Where are the children? Some are in America. Some are in London. Some, well, some, some are somewhere in, in, in Europe there. Some are in Lagos. Some are in Port Harcourt. They are in every part of the world but here. Some women found dead in that old house. House built 40 years ago. What was my father thinking? Okay, that was his time. Right now, no. The bathroom is too small for a jacuzzi. You don't know, take it. <laughs> You're getting the point I'm making. So some of those things, they look, the world wants to, they make you look as if, yes, you've made good plans for your children. Go and read the Bible very well. When, I mean, when Jacob and Esau were fighting, Jacob was looking for one thing. He knew that thing had substance. That thing defended him everywhere he went. That thing, when he got hold of it, he called it the inheritance. It made him rich. He was rich before he came back home. Jacob did not get wealthy because of what his father left for him. He had made money, in quotes now, when his father was still alive. Why? There is an inheritance. Please, I'm trying to bring out a particular issue here. That when we want to operate faith, it's a total thing. Every aspect of the word of God speaks. When we're making plans, it's real. And I'm trying to emphasize that let's be careful that the world does not dilute our ability to enjoy divine provisions. God makes, this is his total, his total. By the time you start making up your mind, you start pursuing hard how to prepare for retirement. Those things are prophetic. You're prophesying, prophesying, I will be tired. You're prophesying, I will lose the ability to work. You are prophesying. That one day things are going to be rough. I have to sit down and hope the economy does not tank. I have to sit down and hope that the stock market does not crash. I have to sit down and hope the government does not change its policies while I sit down. And they are handing me money. Like a charity case. These are prophetic words. They are prophetic words. If you believe the word of God, you think differently. There's a basic scripture, Psalm 92, that no matter how old you are, you'll be full of sap and you'll be fruitful. So you start thinking, I'm working for federal government now. When I retire, what will I be doing next? Are you getting my point? So you're already thinking, all right, I'm living here in the next five years, ten years. What am I going to be doing? All right? That's why, as a believer, be careful how your life is structured mentally. What I'm going to say is this. This one of waiting for somebody to take care of you. Don't reason like that. You're working in federal government, see it as... I'm blessing them. If they annoy me, I'll go and bless somebody else. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Have that attitude. When I talk to average civil servants, you just know why people don't have a choice but to be poor in life. They have to be poor. No, no. You know, poverty is in the mind. It's a spiritual substance. When you talk to an average civil servant, you know poverty is a good friend. The other day I was in my office, I said, if they ask me to be the chief medical director of my hospital, I will not agree unless God sends people to come and tell me, Banky, this is for me. Why? I said, run people like you. I was one of my staff. I said, people like you work here and I'll be CMD. I'll go mad. Poverty mentality. 
They don't know anything that is going on. As far as they are concerned, government should just print money and share to them. All these people are talking, they don't know. Oh, God. You now understand? No, listen. Some people are saying, eh. just talking to people. You know why Likudangote is rich and why they are poor. You will just, no, this is not about that. You will just know that this guy is going to be poor. There's no, unless he steals. Why? He's what I call a, you know, if you did this elementary economics in secondary school, that's what they call a dependent population. It's supposed to be for children. Dependent population is supposed to be children, old people, people who can't work and all of that. So other people are sustaining. But an average civil servant in Nigeria of today is a dependent pop. That is, they don't want to work, come to work late, close early, but then let it be promotion time. Oh, I've headed my department many, many years. Promotion time. They see it as an entitlement. If I were government, I would privatize federal government. That is, the Asso Rock, I said, this, I said shares. <laughs> So what's your reason? Just so that people will realize that work is supposed to produce. They just believe that. <laughs> oh, the other day, my son asked me. He said, Daddy, how, how does money come out of ATM? Do they make, does the ATM make money? As God will have it. When the bank, here and I, that's victory, small one. And I just said, turn around. He turned. And there was an ATM machine that inside the banking hall, you could see the inner part. And they were loading money. So I told him, this is how money enters into the ATM machine. The boy said, eh. So he watched them. He saw the different labels, 1,000, 500, 200, 100. So different boxes. So he said, okay. Do you know an average civil servant thinks government just produces money out of nothing? So when they say they can't pay salaries, they don't understand why they can't pay salaries. <laughs> After all, we own the printing press. <laughs> Praise some more. <laughs> the Lord is good. That's why I said, as I like private people. Private person will stand like this and say, Boy, I paid this amount in the last six months. What have I made from it? If you can't explain, he fires you. Nothing personal. <laughs> it's just that uh, the money I'm paying you is supposed to be yielding now. Uh, after I pay you, you bring in, I must have extra above, apart after your salary. <laughs> All myself of these things. As a believer, we have we, we have to win ourselves of this civil servant dependent mentality. That is why many people, when they leave civil service, they are useless to themselves. Yes, they, they are just totally useless. They are not used to producing anything. But somebody who says no, that's not you can work for the federal government, work for the state government, but you are working and you see yourself as a blessing to them. They disturb you too much. Say, listen, if you guys don't want myself, let me go and bless somebody else with it. And I always, I just, I'm digressing a bit, but I, I advise young people all the time. You want to go for an interview? Don't go unless you are sure why you can bless them. That's Christianity. Look at the company. If it looks like they are the one that will bless you, you don't need that job. Find another job. And, and I'm not joking. I mean it. You go for an interview, you cannot demonstrate how you'll be a blessing. Forget it. Find another job. And I'm telling you, real employers, they can feel it. They can feel it. When they're talking to you, they know who's coming, you know. 
There's one of our brothers who wanted to fire somebody for not working. 